Portions of KDKR programming do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or staff. Prudent Money with Bob Brooks is sponsored by the Prudent Money Foundation on 91.3. Well, our gasoline price is about to get out of control. Today, we're going to take a look. Stay tuned for the special car corner edition of Prudent Money. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prudent Money Radio Show. I'm your host, Bob Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me today. You know I do appreciate it. Well, today we are not taking live questions. We have a few things to talk about with you today and uh, make sure that you are ready for in this environment of inflation. But Tony Joe is here with me today and uh, we're going to talk about gasoline prices. You know what's interesting, and and you may have a better feel for this than I do. Unfortunately, I was not able to check before we got on air about where gasoline prices are. But what I am concerned about is where crude oil is, and that is a driver of gasoline prices. And I was thinking about this a second ago. Tony Joe, the last time that we experienced something like we're experiencing was right before an election. Now, it was in 2008, and we would technically be a little bit earlier than that, obviously, because next year is the, the presidential election. It's just interesting kind of uh, when you start comparing different time periods. But like that particular situation, the price of oil just just slowly climbed and climbed and climbed. And, and it literally within a couple of months, it went from way at this bottom to well over $100 a barrel. And, of course, gasoline prices will follow. What are you seeing with gasoline prices? I think you you might probably follow that a little closer than I do. Well, my observation is normally when crude uh, increases like it does, and it is over 100 now, but it will take about 60 days. That's my observation. It takes about 60 days, and you're going to see the reflection of the higher barrel of oil. So, you know, it, gasoline is not cheap now, and it's just going to go well, up. And that's, I, I, that's my opinion, okay, but... For what it's worth, it's going to go up, and it's going to go up to $4 a gallon. It's going to continue to go up. Well, what I don't understand is <clears throat> is when you look at how far down the price of oil went, and gas prices didn't follow. Do you remember the time it was negative? Yeah, I do. And I called you and said, how does that work? <laughs> how does that work, right? I mean, yeah. Can can I get some and they can pay me for it? Uh, well, if you knew it, if you had somewhere to store it, yeah, they they would uh, they would glad they'd be glad. To, that was the oddest. And but did you thing. see? But did you see the gasoline drop to like thirty cents a gallon? I didn't. I no, I never did. I mean, I missed that. That uh, that was probably I've I've seen some pretty weird stuff mm-hmm. uh, in thirty years of doing this, but that was one of the that was one of the str- I mean, I was just sitting there. And I, and I was just intrigued as I watched all this play out. It's it's almost it's it's almost you know why because it had never happened yeah. in the history of ever. So well, the, it's just like the, one of my favorite stories from the financial crisis. It didn't have to do with price of oil, but just to show you how crazy some things are and how the, the government does manipulate numbers. Might add, Citicorp was on the verge of bankruptcy. It was the first quarter of two thousand and nine. They were literally a penny stock. And 
the government came in and said, well, we're going to change some accounting rules. Literally the next week, they gave their, they gave their profit reports, their uh, earnings report, and they were profitable. Mm-hmm. And, 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 uh, their, that stock went from wherever it was, how low it was. I mean, it just took off. Yep. Yeah. And nothing had changed. No. They, but they were literally on the brink of, of bankruptcy. And the government uh, twisted a few things around. Well, you know, it happens in other fields, and I'll just, I don't want to belabor this. I just want to really quick tell you how I learned about this probably in my 40s or maybe late 30s because, you know, I'm a news person. I like to watch the news, and and I've had some close friends in the Dallas Police Department, you know. Right. But what happened was the numbers for murder rate was so high for the city of Dallas that it was uh, the the uh, chief of police and the city mayor, the mayor and the you know everybody's being criticized and things were being pretty seriously looked at for we got to get rid of you you know what they did you talk about accounting numbers they just recategorized the murders they took out domestic murders and put them in a different category okay mm-hmm. uh, so if you have a personal you know family member in it ends up with a, you know, unfortunate killing of some kind. That murder was recategorized to another column under domestic murder. So the murder rate total in general goes down in the category of general uh, murder rates. Not, not to be, you know, <laughs> gruely about this, but that is one thing, and that was the example that was set for me. Is nothing changed. They just simply recategorized the numbers, and now everybody's happy. Everybody looks good. Applauds for the mayor doing such a good job in the in the police chief. Everything's about yeah, politics. Yeah, boy, well, you know, really did a good, great job. Yeah, it, fighting crime. So, yeah, you're right. It happens in a lot of different arenas so, of business. You know why it's going up? Who knows? Right. I mean, and, and there's lots of reasons we'll never know. But the point is, it's going up, and definitely going up. And as we've always said, and and I, and you know, in in twenty plus years of doing this program with you, I don't think we've ever talked about raising uh, about what to do about higher gas prices this time of the year. But that's what we're going to talk about, and, mm-hmm. and uh, give a few tips out. The first one that I that I always like to to start with because I think that pe- this catches people off guard. They see they, they they drive around and look for the cheapest gas, mm-hmm. or they know where the cheapest gas is. It's at X Y Z gas station, and they know they're going to get the best deal on gas. the The problem is, maybe price wise, you're getting the best deal on gas, but when it all comes down to it, maybe you're not getting such a good deal at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. That's a good point to bring up because, you know, oftentimes. You got to look at it like this: you're barely making it, paycheck to paycheck. You got enough to worry about putting food on the table and paying the electric bill and all that. So you're going to try to naturally find the cheapest price on gas. That does not surprise anybody, right? What's important to know and why we try to help you understand by giving you information, and you use that information at your discretion. You do. With it, what you will, but I will tell you this. <clears throat> you know the old expression, "'Tis the stingy man who spends the most." Well, this happens at a time like this as well. When you 
try to go to the cut rate station to get the lowest price on gasoline per gallon, you're getting uh, not the highest quality fuel that you can get. And what I mean by that is it's it's got it's got contaminants in it. It's got you know uh, it's the bottom parts of everybody else's big storage facilities like ExxonMobil and Shell and all the big boys. And they sell that to the wholesalers because they don't want to use it in their own fuel stations. And if you drive into a Exxon station, you're going to get Exxon fuel, and it's a better quality than you would if you went to some unbranded fuel company with no name on it. Or, you know, you can find it at the grocery store. Like, you know, you get 10 cents off on a gallon if you buy your groceries there. And these Kroger and Tom Thumb don't make gasoline. Where do they get it from? They, they buy it on the wholesale market, whatever the cheapest price is that particular day, because it fluctuates from day to day. So when you think about the quality of fuel that you're buying at a cheaper price, your car is going to suffer in the long run. So you're not really gaining anything. And on top of that, you will discover if you ever really wanted to do this, which most people don't, and that's why they don't know, but that stuff burns quicker. You are not going to get the power out of a gallon of that stuff that you will get, or the energy, I should say, out of a gallon of that that you would out of a gallon of higher quality gasoline, which means if you took an empty car and put one gallon in it and drove down the toll road as far as you can, you might get 15, 16 miles in a good economical car. If you took the same amount, one gallon of a better fuel and put it in that car, you may not end up running out of fuel until 20 or 22 miles down the road. So even though it costs more, it burns more efficiently and you go more miles on that one gallon than you would on the cut rate stuff. Yeah, you've always said this. And when you do the math, I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. You just you don't know this until somebody says, hey, I'm not telling you what to do, but look at the numbers and try it out sometime and see what you think. Yeah, you know, the, you used to always say, and this just stuck with me, is that bad fuel burns faster. It does. And it's much faster than the good stuff. And so you're not, it's a kind of an illusion that you're getting a good deal. It's exactly right. And it is uh, not as, think of it like this, the cheaper the gallon, not in every circumstance. I mean, you can have price wars where gas stations are trying to, get their share of the marketplace and they can actually lower the price for artificial reasons just because they want business. But in most cases, the unbranded fuel, that is the fuel that you don't have a name to. Uh, some 7-Elevens have Sitco or Exxon or they partner up with a, a, a well-known uh, mobile, one of those. <clears throat> then you have a 7-Eleven that doesn't have any branded fuel. They're not advertising a brand name. So what are you getting there? Well, you're getting wholesale market fuel depending on the cost that day. Uh, the unbranded places uh, that don't have a uh, big name are the ones that generally are going to be four or five cents cheaper per gallon. And that's because 
of marketing. They don't really want to be in the gasoline business. Sure, they sell gasoline, but that's to get you across the parking lot to buy Cokes and potato chips and other things in their store where they make a higher profit margin. This is Bob Brooks, and you are listening to the Special Car Corner edition of Prudent Money. We're not taking calls today. If you got a question for me or Tony Joe, just go up to to prudentmoney.com, go to the top of the site, and you'll see a Q&A link, and uh, just uh, go through that to the uh, the question answer uh, part of the website. You know, there there is obviously another way that that you can get cheaper gas by the different types of gas. And I, I truly believe, and I, I don't think that I could sit here and give a, a really an intelligent answer to it. And I think most people look at, well, this this type of gas costs this much, this this costs this much. You know, can you use that lower grade gas in, in whatever particular car you drive? Obviously, you want to do whatever the, the manufacturer says to do. But how how can you maybe get away with using cheaper gas? A good quality, and this, isn't, and this doesn't have anything to do with quality. Um, are you talking about the grade? Yes, the grade. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no. You know what? Let's not be confused about this. In case of any, any of the listeners are confused, let me stipulate that when I say better quality fuel, I do not mean 93 uh, octane fuel at the pump. I mean just the name brand. That is the brand of gasoline of the gas station that you're buying your fuel from. It has nothing to do with the octane rating. As a matter of fact, I will tell you right now that 99.9% of the cars out there can all push 87 octane and it will be perfectly okay. There's a few cars that are really high-end cars that you may want to follow the manufacturer's recommendation and use super unleaded which is far more expensive, but it's labeled right usually on the gas gauge. And when you flip the gas lid open, it's also labeled there. So you really can't go wrong. Uh, you, you, if your car does not stipulate that you need that really high-end uh, octane, I'm sorry, not high-end, but high-octane, 93-octane fuel, then you don't have to use it, nor should you use it. What you can do is feel confident that you're buying the lowest price at the pump of a good name brand fuel, which means you go to Exxon or Mobile or Shell or one of the big boys that you're familiar with, one of the name brand fuel companies, but you're pushing the 87 octane rating button. You're not going to buy super unleaded. There's no reason for it. So you can get away with that. Yeah, you can get away with it. You don't need mid-grade and you don't need super. Yeah, I think, and I think a lot of people don't know that. <clears throat> you know, what, what was interesting, This uh, going back to the cheaper gas, which not to be confused with the grade of uh, mid-grade or, or super octane rating. Octane uh-huh. rating. You, you've told this story before, but I think that it really does lend to a good example of why the, the cheaper gas is not a great deal. Someone drove. I, I, you, you can probably fill in the, the blanks a little bit better on this story. But someone came to see you. You probably, you probably remember the story, and they were said. They said, you know, my car's running rough. The, I'm having this problem, this problem, this problem. And you told them, probably to their surprise, just go to the gas station and put better gas in your car. 
and it and sure enough, it cleared up the problem. Oftentimes, and of course, when you first encounter this, everybody's surprised and amazed and all that. But when you first encounter something like that, it's a pretty big deal. But now it's so mainstream for me, especially. You take a car in; it's got some issues with running, hesitation, not performing properly, and you check it, and you really don't find anything that you can pinpoint as a problem. And then you look at fuel quality. you got to suspect fuel quality. You can take a sample. You can measure the amount of ethanol in it. And you can't really find anything wrong with the vehicle. So before you go spending money and starting to change parts that probably aren't going to help, simply go, if you're, even if your check engine light comes on sometimes, just go buy a decent tank of good fuel, drive it for a while, and see if the light the light can go out, the car starts running better. I mean, if you eat a piece of hamburger for lunch, you're going to do okay. But a McDonald's burger at lunch <laughs> is not going to compare to a good piece of roast beef that you had for lunch. Which one do you think you're going to feel better that afternoon? You're going to have, you know, more, you, you'll feel better, you're able to work better, your mind works sharper. Better fuel in your body, it's just like the car. Better fuel in the car makes for better performance. Now, and if, I, if I got this wrong, we'll just... I'm not it. really a doctor. I just was comparing that. I was, you're it's what one. we call an analogy. By oh, I li- right. Big words, I like to use them. I just throw them out. Yeah, it's a very impressive. Yeah. Very, very impressive. So you said, I think that you said this one time, and it kind of, it kind of surprised me. But you, you said, quote me if I'm, tell me if I'm wrong or right or wrong, that if you haven't changed your oil in a in a long time, that changing your oil might even make a difference in gasoline mileage. Yeah, might it will. And I will tell you, you know, we could look at it like this. Uh, Anything that lowers friction or makes things work easier is going to take less energy to maneuver it. Uh, So in the case of the engine, uh, lubrication from the oil is what allows the engine to work without stressing or it doesn't, it doesn't really, it reduces friction. So fresh oil reduces friction which makes the engine operate or move its internal parts easier, what do you think that's going to do? Make Use more fuel or less fuel? Well, it's going to use less fuel because it doesn't work so hard to make the engine run. Now, as the oil gets older and older and older, there's more friction in the internal parts of the engine, which makes the engine harder to turn. Let's just suppose, Bob, that you could turn the engine over with your hands and you grab the front of the balancer and you or the flywheel let's say and you tried to turn the engine with your hand with fresh oil in there clean oil keeping it changed like you're supposed to you can grab it and you can turn the engine with a lot less force than if you had old oil and you haven't changed it in 20,000 miles and you're wondering why you're getting such bad fuel economy you grab the same engine flywheel and try to turn it and you can barely turn it because there's so much friction there. So it's just logic. Get the oil changed on time. Not only does that prevent a lot of big, expensive problems with the engine, but it also gives you better fuel economy. 
Yeah, I think that uh, people overlook that. I mean, it's something you need to be doing anyway, and especially if you... And you know what? Listen, it not only improves your fuel economy, but it's beneficial to you to keep that engine for <laughs> three, 400,000 miles, as long as you want to. Let's talk about another really easy thing to do, and, and that is to pop your trunk, pop open your trunk, and look to see what you're carrying around in weight. And I think that a lot of people would be surprised how they're just killing their 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 fuel mileage by uh, all the junk they got sit, sitting in, in the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree, and that's a good point to bring up. Let me start by let me start by kind of showing people because you know, not being a mechanic, you're not going to understand. You're not supposed to. So it's going to be up to me to try to explain this. Look. You've got a car, Bob, and it's got all your camping equipment, your golf clubs. It's got tons of stuff in the trunk. You walk up to that car, put it in neutral, and try to push it with your hands. Just try to push the car. It's going to be a lot harder to push that car than it would be if you took all the stuff out of the trunk, took everything out that you didn't need, you actually lightened the car's weight, now try to push the car, and even though people aren't going to actually do this, it would be easier to push. Now, the whole idea behind how they're building cars now is to make them as light as they can. They're skimping on the thickness of the metal on the rotors for the brakes. They're skimping on anything metal they can replace with plastic. It's lightweight. It's it's uh, making everything part of the car as light or trying to make it lighter to get better fuel economy. So you think about what you brought up was the particular uh, thing you brought up was the amount of weight in your car. Of course, if you take the stuff out of the trunk, make it lighter, it's going to weigh less. You're going to get better fuel economy. But if you want to go back to the basic elementary uh, thinking of what else can I do to my car to make it get better fuel economy? Well, think about what I just said. You, you're pushing the back of the car, and it's going to be hard to push if there's a lot of junk in there that you don't need a lot of weight. Take the weight out. That makes it easier. What about what else would cause a car to hard to push? What about a low tire? Uh, and I was just, as we kind of wrap up the program, one of the things I was thinking about you know, now we're getting into things that start to cost money, but we haven't talked about uh, talked about uh, uh, tires, and really a general category of tire care. Right. In, in, whether it, there's the proper amount of inflation, whether the the oh the alignment that can cause so much friction and uh, uh, bad gas mileage. I mean, there's a lot of things with the uh, the a lot tires of things you I would think never think over. about. Right. Things you can do yourself too. You know, easy things that you just don't think about. I don't know, Bob, how far you want to get into it. We can continue this uh, if you want to in another segment. But right now, I will say that tire inflation, gosh, buy a tire gauge for $2 and start keeping track of your tires. That's an easy thing to do, and it can give you an advantage on fuel economy. Yeah, there's uh, – of course, we can go through a, a long list of uh, things if you want to spend money, a lot of money, like a tune-up and that kind of thing. But uh, it's just interesting how many things really does influence 
uh, the uh, gas mileage when you know gas is uh, hopefully you know hopefully it won't get that expensive. But at the same time, we always like to give a few tips to make sure that people understand. Hey, I do have some options here to to make my fuel. A little bit cheaper. Every little bit helps. That's right. This is Bob Brooks. If you got a question for me, please go to the website at prudentmoney.com and send it in because we are all out of time. Till we do meet again next time. Keep the faith and have a great rest of the day. That's all the time we have for today. Questions or comments for Bob or to find out more great information like what you just heard, visit www.prudentmoney.com. Be sure to join Bob Brooks again for the next edition of Prudent Money.